Judgment Studios. The Michelle Obama Podcast is out now on Spotify. This series brings listeners inside the former First Lady's most candid and personal conversations, showing us what's possible when we allow ourselves to be vulnerable, to open up and focus on what matters most. Joining the former First Lady is an array of special guests, including Marion and Craig Robinson, Conan O'Brien, Valerie Jarrett, Michelle Norris, and Dr. Sharon Malone. Episodes focus on relationships that shape us, from siblings and close friends to partners, parents, and mentors, to our relationship with ourselves and our health. Listen free at Spotify.com slash Michelle Obama. Snappers, California is burning. Right outside our window right now, you can see this thick haze. Kids are wearing face masks, and you can stare at the sun in the middle of the day. It looks like a, like a dark moon. And it used to be that California had something called a fire season. Now, that fire season is all year long. And we wanted to tell a story that gave at least a glimpse of living in this type of vortex. So in collaboration with KQD's podcast, The Bay, we teamed up to create a story for the Coal and Ice Festival. It's an environmental collaboration that's meant to amplify the conversation around climate change. The story starts out in Northern California, October 8, 2017. The wildfires are rampaging, crossing freeways, burning down neighborhoods, and victims are being sent to the hospital. But the hospital has its own problems. Tower 7 on scene, fire around the hospital and on the island, advising hospital shelter in place. Big Three Kaiser is currently being evacuated. That and Sutter is evacuated as well. So what is the hospital status of the memorial? Memorials accept patients. It was days before there was any sign of fire, and Nicole and Ben Viam were just waiting for their baby to arrive. Nicole's due date came and went. Her doctors decided to induce, and they called her into the hospital. That was Friday. So we were very excited at that point, and then, uh, Day after day after day happened with no, not a whole lot of progress. On Sunday, the third day, with the third attempt to induce labor, the contraction started. And then finally, I'm in a great rhythm. We're all excited. They're talking about baking my water. The contractions were spaced so perfectly, you know. This is Ben, Nicole's husband. Things are rolling. We're getting good checks from the nurses. They put on some music little bit of opera. They had just turned on Pavarotti when the hospital power went out. The generators clicked on and the smoke outside the building started to creep inside. There was a ton of smoke in the hospital like you could visibly see it outside and smell it. Nurses said the buildings around the hospital were in flames and they had to evacuate but Nicole had just gotten an epidural. So I couldn't walk or move which was just not cool. Like, I didn't, I didn't like that part of, I felt really vulnerable. <laughs> like, Just when things had gotten going, the staff gave Nicole medication to stop her contractions. <laughs> so we were like, no. <laughs> it was the worst. It was the worst news to, to have tried for three days. And then, okay, here's the shot that's going to end all of that. 
Then Nicole had to wait again for an ambulance. It was hours before dawn on Monday, and by the time her turn came, she had to share the ride with another woman in labor and a third with a newborn in her arms. That left no room for her husband. The charge nurse explained that, like, this is a disaster. We're following disaster protocol, and no spouses or birth teams or anything are going along on the ambulance. And there was a part of me briefly that was like, but I'm a dad. I'm going to be a dad. Like, I'm, this is us. Ben waited for the bus and was soon reunited with Nicole at Santa Rosa Memorial Hospital. Now Nicole had a whole new team of doctors and nurses, and they didn't know that she had a history of opioid addiction, and she needed a special formula for her epidural drip. And then when, I, when they went to change the drug, I saw the tube said fentanyl on it, and it was... And, I, and by that point, I was starting to feel the other itchies. The one thing she didn't want was fentanyl. She'd been clean for nine years, and she didn't want to feel high. Because I'd remembered seeing, like, other friends and stuff. They'd used it, and they were feeling good and stuff. And I didn't, I didn't want that to be a part of my story. She called her sponsor and talked it through. By this point, she was so exhausted... They had tried another 12 hours to get her contractions going, but it just wasn't happening. Monday evening, she agreed to a C-section. <laughs> they had a healthy baby boy, and they named him Adrian. They did take some nominations for his middle name from their friends. Yeah, they wanted us to give him a new name. I think, think it was like Adrian Fuego VM or <laughs> Blaze VM. <laughs> But Nicole is a big L.A. baseball fan, so they stuck with their original name plan, Adrian Dodger VM. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, giving birth is hard enough. Please put your hands together for the woman who did it in the middle of a raging wildfire, Nicole VM. Nicole, thank you so much for, for being here. I wanted to talk with you a little bit more about what happened after Adrian was born. But um, let's just start with the day after you gave birth. Um, your mom, your aunt were in the hospital. Your mother-in-law was visiting. And then a reporter showed up in your hospital room. What was it like to talk to a reporter at that time? Well, um, it was... It was interesting. We hadn't really even had the opportunity to go and be in the moment of what was really happening. There was a lot of, okay, yeah, I have this new baby. That's great. That's exciting. But there's also my entire community that's like supposedly burnt down. And I don't, I didn't get a chance to even look outside. I didn't even, the one time that I saw fire at all was getting into the ambulance. So... It was difficult. It was like, I, you know, I'm on Facebook religiously, you know, whose house burnt down? You're getting stories updated. So we didn't even get a chance to be in the, you know, we didn't know if our home was going to make it. So it was rough. So, so those next few days, how was it for you in the hospital? Well, um, it was sp sweet because I got to have my baby and get to the experience of, you know, listening to getting to know his cries and all that. But 
it was hard because I was also learning how to breastfeed. And I don't know if there's any new moms out there who have experienced that. That was rough. <laughs> I had no idea what I was doing. So, you know, that was hard. And I didn't really have anybody there who could give me a lot of help. And so we're, on one hand, I was so grateful that I got to stay at Memorial. I got to be close to home and all that, but I didn't feel great asking for a lot of help because I'm a new mom when, you know, I know that there's people downstairs nursing, you know, their loved ones and people who were terrified, you know. So it was hard. It was hard balance between experiencing motherhood and a tragedy. So um, when it was time for you to be discharged from the hospital, the fires were still burning, the air was filled with smoke. What was it like when you came home from the hospital and did you have a home to come home to? Yeah, we were extremely lucky. We were on college, so everyone made it okay. Um, the one rough thing was that my husband uh, lost his job that night. So, you know, yay, we have a baby and no substantial income. <laughs> you know, that was like, that was hard. Um, I'm sorry, what did he do? What was oh, his I'm job? sorry. Yeah, he was a server at the restaurant Sweet Teas up in Fountain Grove, which is like, everybody loved that restaurant. And uh, so we were, we were bummed. Um, but Sweet Teas came together and they made sure that we got he got paychecks for, for his, you know, missed work, essentially. And so we were, you know, we were taken care of. And Ben got to go and have the experience of getting to know his baby a lot more than we were expecting, that, you know, beforehand. So we were taken care of. And it, not just with the, the insurance and the paychecks. We were taken care of by every single nurse and doctor and, and ambulance driver, Cal Fire, you know, all, it was it was extremely humbling, the gifts that we were given. So before I talked to you about this, I had never thought much about what exactly went into an epidural, let alone that you could actually request that certain things be in it or not. Were you okay after getting the fentanyl? I was. I had... Um, I had enough clean time, I feel like, that I didn't feel like, really worried. It was just really sucky because I didn't want that to be in my story of my birth. I didn't want that. I spent my entire life not wanting to feel anything, you know? And then I got clean, and it still was hard to feel anything. And this journey um, of just sobriety has been... You know, it's been like creating this relationship with what's real and what's true and being okay with that. Um, so I didn't like it, but I did get help, you know, with my sponsor immediately. And I never got to a point where I was feeling loopy or anything, which helped, you know. Um, but yeah, so it was a bummer. But, you know, that's life and, and it just moving on to the next moment. So I know of the several middle names that were suggested for Adrian that one of them was Phoenix. Um, and in this last year, as you've been taking care of Adrian and watching him grow, do you think about that metaphor of the Phoenix rising from the ashes? 
Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Um, I didn't know how it was going to be to be a mother and it changed my life in the most profound way because I was wanted to want to be the, the best version of myself possible. And it was so hard to even do it for myself, you know? So it's like one foot in front of the other. Sobriety is cool. You know, it's great. It's, it's changed my life. It's one more step. But then this took it to like the whole next level. And so I, part of me died that day, you know, part of me really had to let go of the immature one, the child. Now I get to try and be the adult taking care of the baby, you know? Um, and I love it. I love every moment of it. It's hard. It's challenging, but I love every second that I've been given with my little muffin. <laughs> Well, why don't we have everybody meet him? Yeah. Everybody, please welcome Ben and Adrian Viam. You want to see San Francisco? This beautiful family. The little man she went through so much work for. Climate change can't break this down. Thank you, April. And thank you so much for coming out. Nicole Diem's story is produced by April Domboski. The Bay is a storytelling podcast for daily news produced by KQED. You can get The Bay podcast wherever you get your podcast. The Flyer Capes was produced by Suki Lewis, Mark Ristich, and Jeremy Siegel.